is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on the phone is Jonah Platt. Jonah, thank you for chatting with me today. This is exciting. Oh, I'm happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me, Clay. Dude, looking looking up everything that you've done to date, it's outstanding. You cover so many oh. parts of entertainment from on stage to off stage to on screen to the writer's room to music. And I'm wondering if we can just kind of like touch on all of that today. So I'm really excited to hop right in. But uh, before we get into that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for Jonah. What were your okay. <laughs> What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Oh, it's a it's a good question, but I don't have a great answer. Um, I never really had, which is sort of what's the reason I sort of hopped all over the place. Is I never really had one dream. Um, I just sort of did whatever I loved to do, and that's sort of been my guiding principle for better or worse. Um, when something fun and exciting has been going on or an opportunity has presented itself, I've gone that direction. And sometimes that's taken me to the left, sometimes it's taken me to the right, sometimes back, sometimes forward. Um, but I, I kind of just roll with the flow. And, um, you know, it wasn't really until the last couple years even that I started to really narrow my focus a little bit more to the point where I have, you know, some more concrete goals. But growing up, the dreams were just to keep getting to do things I enjoyed doing, was, whatever that might be. Was there a lot of a lot of arts in your house? Were you highly influenced into the arts? <laughs> yes, big time. So my parents, specifically musical theater, my, my yes. parents are giant musical theater lovers. They, when they first met, that was like one of the main things they bonded over was their shared love of the performing arts and musical theater uh, specifically. So, you know, the earliest, I, I have footage of me at two years old singing My Fair Lady. And uh, that's, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff we were raised on, you know, driving around in the car with my dad. He'd be playing us, you know, I remember being four or five years old, listening to Miss Saigon and Pippin and all that, all the classics and the, all the stuff he liked. I remember when Rent came out, I was, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years old. My dad was like, we got to listen to this new thing. It's the new exciting musical. We listened to that in the car. So it was always around us and a, a huge part of what we did. And my, all my siblings all love musical theater. We all sang and performed growing up and did shows around the house. And uh, definitely the core of the activities around the plat home. What what um what did your father teach you about work ethic? Um, well, he's he's much more of a teach by example kind of guy, at least uh, for his kids. Um, and it's just what he's what he's taught me is what I've observed from him, which is a, an absolutely tireless, dogged work ethic. Um, my early memories of him are of you know, coming home from work at, at seven every night. And then on the weekends, reading scripts around the house and just like constantly not working to the point where it felt like he was a workaholic and wasn't paying attention to us, but just always reading scripts during the downtime, always thinking about stuff and watching stuff. And, um, cause that's when he was an executive and, um, he, he, he's the kind of guy who like will go back and forth to London seven times in a month 
because he doesn't want to miss anything that's going on on set, but also nothing in the family. And he's willing to jump on a plane and fly, you know, 10 hours, six times in three weeks, if that's what it takes to make sure everything that he needs to have his hands on is under control, as well as making sure he doesn't miss anything for the family. So he just works his tail off and really has not put his, taken his foot off the gas for his entire career. Um, and it's crazy because it's sort of now in his career, it, it, it sort of continues to ramp up. I mean, he's now in his 60s, and it's his, his career is only reaching higher and higher uh, peaks and then more and more work, and uh, he continues to not really let up, which actually um, this whole COVID thing has been a little bit of a silver lining for him because he's had to slow down a little bit, which has been nice. Yeah, I've heard that a lot with a lot of people. That they're, you know, even during this pandemic, it's been, you know, almost a blessing in disguise, so to speak, for some to take a moment and breathe. <laughs> and slow down yeah, because, you know, if, if, there's, if there's something to be done, I, I can say this both for myself and my dad. If there's anything to be done, we'll be doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's been nice to have just the options have been winnowed away. So there's just not as much to do. So you can have some guilt free slow down relaxation family time and not feel like there's something else you have to be doing and somewhere you got to be grinding. Yeah. What did, what have your parents taught you about kindness? Well, uh, a lot, again, (laughs) a lot by, uh, a lot by example. I mean, my, my mother, we can start with her has really devoted, and this is, I'm talking on the quote unquote professional side for her. And then I can speak to her on the personal side, but on on the professional side, she, she has devoted her life to volunteer work in philanthropy. Um, that's how she spends all of her time that she's not with the family is helping specifically Jewish organizations, um, and leading them and, and, and helping others. Um, she's an incredibly selfless and giving person. Um, she, she really is a unique individual, the, the most selfless person I've ever met. All she cares about is making other people feel good and wanting to provide for others and take care of others. So just, just observing her my whole life and feeling her love and seeing the way she loves others and, and devotes her life to others, it's impossible for that not to rub off on me uh, to some degree. And my dad is the same way. My dad tries so hard to take care of others. Um, he, he has very quietly, and he doesn't like taking a lot of credit or attention for it, um, but he very quietly tries to help support people and take care of them and give people an extra push behind the scenes to help them have better lives and achieve their goals. And he's really conducted himself always in the business world with incredible integrity, and that's, that's his reputation around the business is being, you know, a kind and decent and, um, you know, respectful human being, uh, no matter what the situation is. So I've learned a lot from just observing the two of them over my 30 plus years, uh, and have learned a lot about what it means to be kind to others. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, thank you for sharing that. I want to, I want to hop over to creative writing and studying English. Mm -hmm. What, what was the decision there to, to pursue that, to study English? Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, um, it's kind of a cop-out reason. 
Um, so I, I went to, yeah, I, I went to a very challenging high school here in Los Angeles and something that the school does, it's called Harvard Westlake and something they do extremely. Hi there. We got disconnected for a second. Sorry about that. Uh, you, we sure did. No problem. You can hop right back in answering it. All right. So uh, Harvard Westlake, my high school, was, is excellent at preparing you to write essays. They teach you really, really well. Um, and, you know, I did all the AP English classes or whatever. So I felt like once I left high school, I was like a crack essay writer. And English felt like the best and easiest way for me to take advantage of the skills I already had um, and not have to take a lot of tests and do a lot of studying and get a degree. So I chose English because it was mostly, you know, I could, I could sort of not work that hard uh, and then stay up all night the night before a paper was due and write a really great paper and turn it in and do well in the class. So I was sort of the, the, the king of like the B plus A minus. Through, through college, doing just enough effort to get the B plus A minus, never enough effort to get a straight A unless it was a, a really easy class. Um, so that's really why I did the English. It was, I was lucky that it was right around the time I was there that they turned creative writing into a concentration. So that, that part of it, to, to concentrate in creative writing as opposed to just a blanket English, that was great. So I was able to take, you know, a screenwriting class and the uh, short fiction writing class. I think I took two fiction writing classes. Um, and I minored in film and music, which are, were both big interests of mine. So I was able to take a lot of good classes for both of those tracks. And I tried to also find classes that overlapped all the three, which was what it sort of enabled me to do the double minor because I would find a class that had to do with like music in film. And then I, I could credit that for both or... Uh, writing about film, and then I could credit that for writing and for film, so uh, like screenwriting. Um, so I was able to do, you know, I went to University of Pennsylvania, which is not sort of known for its, you know, music and film departments, but I was able to at least mine everything I could out of the things I was interested in at that school. Were you now performing during this time at all, doing any theater prior to immediately post-college? Uh, actually, not really. So wh while I was at Penn, the only performing act I did is my freshman year, I musical directed a show. Um, an acquaintance of mine from L.A., who I haven't spoken to in many years, but who I'd gone to elementary school with, was directing a show. He was a senior when I was a freshman. He was directing the Rocky Horror Show, and he didn't know really anything about music. He just knew how to direct shows. Uh, and he knew me, he knew I was sort of like a music guy, and said, well, you musical direct a show. So that was the first time I ever musical directed a show. It was really fun, and uh, it was a great training ground for me with orchestrating and arranging and playing in the band and all that fun stuff. Uh, and then really what I devoted my time to there uh, performance-wise was an a cappella group called Off the Beat, which was a really top-tier, nationally recognized co-ed rock a cappella group. We did really difficult, intense, contemporary arrangements of you know, System of a Down and Radiohead and Incubus and this really cool textured, complicated stuff. That's what I did at school while I was there. In the summers, I had started a, an improv group called One Night Stand, 
and we did hour-long improvised musicals. So that was where I got to work on a lot of my other craft of, you know, I directed the group, I produced it, I got to act in it, which was like writing, singing, uh, acting all at the same time. And we, we went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival a couple summers, and we did some other comedy festivals around the country and the New York Musical Theater Festival. So I got to keep those juices flowing and work those muscles in the summertime. Um, but was not doing really theater at all, uh, or certainly not like straight theater while I was in college. And then, okay, so then moving on right from post-college, are you pursuing writing as a career at this moment, or is this kind of a an explosion of hopping between different platforms, so to speak? Uh, the former. So really, right. to be honest, when I was starting to graduate college, I was not looking at trying to be a performer. I didn't have the confidence. I, I hadn't really done it in a couple of years in a, in a big way, and it had sort of taken a backseat in my mind, and I just didn't know if I had what it took, and it seemed like it was going to be a really hard career to go down. But I had been watching a lot of TV in college. It, it was a really great time for TV when I was in college. It was Arrested Development and Lost and The Office and 30 Rock and Veronica Mars. Great and, shows. Um, just, yeah, all these great shows. It was sort of like, I think people refer to it now kind of as like peak TV time. Uh, Breaking Bad, Sopranos. I mean, yeah. all this great stuff was on. Yeah, so I was watching a ton of television and it got me excited I wanted to be a TV writer. So I wrote like some pilots and some spec scripts and I had a family friend who worked at an agency and I like, got immediately got some meetings off of a spec 30 rock I had written and that made me feel like, oh, okay, I can, I can go down this path. This will work for me. So that was where my head was at graduating college and really from like 2008 to 2014, that was really my main focus was TV writing. And it wasn't, uh, it was like little by little that the acting started to organically peek its head back in and to the, until, you know, I booked Wicked in 2015 and then the, the ratio really shifted. Now peaking, you said it was peaking back in. I'm really curious about that. Was this uh, opportunities that were coming your way or you were gaining that confidence? You're like, well, maybe I'll, I'll put myself out there to audition. So, so really it, it came, it, the whole sort of path back into acting started because a, a friend of mine from a elementary middle school after school drama program, a guy who I haven't seen in a number of years, he was involved in a reading, a staged reading of the musical Bear uh, that these young early 20s contemporaries were going to put on just like for the hell of it because they wanted to put a show on. And the person who was supposed to play Jason in that reading dropped out late in the game. And this friend of mine, who I hadn't seen in years, but, you know, they were trying to rack their brains of who to fill with. He's like, I know this guy from back in the day. I think he'd be perfect. So he called me up, and I met with the people who were putting it on. And it was a match. And I ended up doing that reading. And the reading was whatever. But I found a great relationship with this group of people and these, this, these young producers uh, and we ended up basically becoming like a little 20-somethings rep company. And over the next couple of years, we did a number of shows together. We did uh, Spring Awakening together. We did uh, American Idiot together. And then we ended up doing sort of the official L.A. revival of Bear. 
um, which was sort of the biggest and best of all the shows we did together. And with each one of those, you know, I got to play Melky Orange Spring Awakening and Jason and Bear, and I was Tony and American Idiot, and those were giving me great confidence. I was, you know, leading these shows, and um, it, it was going awesome. And then I auditioned for Floyd Collins because I loved the show and heard they were doing it at La Mirada, which isn't too far for me. The only reason I went for it was because it's like a dream show <laughs> and ended up booking Homer in that. And we ended up winning, you know, an ovation award for the best musical. And that was, it was all sort of building until I did hair at the Hollywood bowl, um, where I, I went into audition, you know, they, they usually just offer parts, the leads to yeah. celebrities. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, Here's a big cast. It, it needs a lot of parts. And so I, I went into audition for the ensemble, which is what they were really the only thing they were doing open auditions for. And I ended up walking out with the part of Wolf. So I was the only <laughs> non-celebrity to book a principal, uh, which was incredible. And that's, that was really a turning point for me. That was where I really started to believe, hey, I, I belong here and I, I can do this and I, I do it well. And, you know, I was with all these TV stars and people who had done Broadway, and I was like, oh, I can hang with these guys. So that's, that was where my, my mind really took a big shift to, to thinking I could do this. Were you still writing at this point, or had that taken a complete backseat? No, I was actually, when I booked Hair, I was a, a staff writer on an NBC show. Um, but it so just sort of worked out that that show went away it wasn't a great show and only lasted six episodes and okay. uh that show kind of went away they, they let me out for the couple weeks to do hair uh but that show kind of died and then not too long after that i auditioned for wicked and i booked wicked in let's say march i think of 2015 and that gave me you know like four or five months just to kind of get my ducks in a row and be excited until i moved to new york to to open an artist Oh my goodness. What a story. <laughs> this is Yeah, man, my my path has been totally unique and weird and in all different directions. And it's sort of it always it's been very frustrating at times, let me tell you. I mean, I I often have envied the people who have like a singular focus and go after one thing and there's sort of a clear way to get there. Um because there've been a lot of frustrating moments where I feel like I'm taking one step forward, two steps back, one step this way, one step that way. Um, but I'm trying to just enjoy the journey as much as possible and really have had to tell myself over the years, you know, you're, as my friend Carrie O'Malley has said to me, you're running your own race. Yeah. And so I've tried to really uh, hold on to that. Has it gotten easier to, you know, embrace the journey? It's gotten easier, I think, for two reasons. I think one is I've just gotten older, um, and as other parts of my life have been wonderful, and the, you know the fact that I have a great wife and an amazing son and uh, great friends and family, you know, it's it's hard to get too down when your life is full of great things like that. Um, so that's helped. And then on the other side, you know, I have had some successes. So even if I'm not where I want to be and I'm still really pushing the fact that I have gotten enough positive reinforcement and booked like just enough jobs to not give up. Um, and that the things, even the things I haven't booked, I've gotten such strong feedback on, um, or the shows I haven't sold. I've gotten great feedback on where I know that I can do this. 
and I've also like now worked and seen enough people who I, you know, humbly would say that I at least deserve to be in the same positions they're in. Um, having seen all that, I know that I just need to stay the course and um, I, I, I feel like it'll work out. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 